It's time to travel with Karen Key. We know exactly where your next stop should be. A rather unusual book recently crossed my desk called 101 Kruger Tales. It's a collection of 101 jaw-dropping stories as told by the ordinary tourists who experienced them. Jeff Gordon is just one of the myriad of ordinary Kruger visitors with no special affiliation to the park, but he does enjoy a good story. So he invited other ordinary Kruger visitors to submit their stories, and that resulted in this book. Well, I so enjoyed reading the book that I decided to invite some of those ordinary tourists I'm sure I want to hear their stories. You will agree with me. They are not ordinary to join me this evening. And first up are Colin and Faye Lagerwall, who found a lion outside their tent. Colin and Faye, good evening. Welcome to the show. Good evening, Corin. Good evening, Corin. Well, I have to apologise before we start that when reading your story, I, I, I laughed. I mean, I'm sure at the time it wasn't funny, but re- reading about it, I'm sorry, but I really had to laugh. So do tell us, that one of you start off telling us you arrived and then what? Um, Corin, can I give you uh, some back, background of that evening? Yes, you know, please. That, uh, led up to it. Well, first of all, we, uh, unfortunately, a, a ranger, a young ranger, just been killed by a leopard, near uh, Berkendal. And um, with this fresh in our mind, and we had just passed the bridge where the flowers were laid. And so um, when we arrived at Larasabi, you know, the whole camp was a bit of a buzz about the thing. And we booked in for a night drive, uh, actually a sunset drive, and it was a beautiful, beautiful evening. Um, it was full moon, and we went out across the plains, and it was pretty flat in that area. And we watched this, the sun go down and the moon come up at the same time. It was such a beautiful African experience. And we were hoping to see lion that night um, on the night drive, and, well, we got back sort of disappointed that we hadn't. And um, anyway, I, I went to bed about 10 o'clock, and I think they stayed up a little bit. Um, and also what had happened during the night is we had we watched people throw uh, bones across the fence, and there were two young hyenas which uh, patrolled the area picking up these bones and crunching them. So we got kind of used to this crunching sound. And um, anyway, so this beautiful, beautiful, bright full moon night on the 6th of September 1998, um, we went to bed, and then, say, I, I sort of woke up intermittently with this crunch, crunch, and this <coughs> sort of pacing up and down the tent. And I thought this was um, the hyena crunching bones on the outside. And um, anyway, I went to sleep, and then I'll, I'll let Faye carry on with the, the rest of the story. Or Faye, part of it from there. Faye, before you do carry on, I'm getting a very loud yeah. echo. I'm not sure if you have a radio on or if you're standing too close to Colin and your, your phones are, are causing an uh, echo. I think um, maybe his phone is... If you maybe just great. stand a little bit away from each other, that would be great. Okay. okay. Is that that sounds better to start with. Fair. So, okay, so now Colin went to sleep and you were still sitting up enjoying the lovely moonlit night. And then what happened? Okay, I also was hearing the sound and it just didn't go away. And by the way, when you say it was funny, actually we do have a good laugh now. <laughs> okay, okay. I don't feel so bad now. I don't feel quite so bad. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't feel bad at all. Anyway, so we, um, he, was, he, he had gone off to sleep and I was lying there and uh, hearing the sound and... Eventually, I got up on my knees to actually look out the tent window, um, which is just a bit of flimsy gauze. And I saw this line right outside the tent. I mean, I was flabbergasted. I, I, I sat up on my, you know, got up on my knees, and as I looked out, he looked at me. Whew, even <laughs> as I speak now, I get the shivers. <laughs> anyway, so I, I dropped down uh, onto our bed, and I nudged Colin, and I loudly whispered, I said, Lovey, there's a line outside. Um, and he said, yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> and he just kind of just, he was in that sort of lull yes. going to sleep, you know. He didn't take me seriously. Anyway, I, I went, got up on my knees again because I thought, oh, maybe I was dreaming. Perhaps it was just on the other side of the fence. So I got up on my knees again, and this time I, he actually, his eyes connected with mine. And I knew for a fact that he knew that I was there. <laughs> how is it? Boy, fa- oh boy, I was down again because I thought, he can see me. He can see me. What am I going to do? But now, Faye, how, um, how is it that you didn't scream at this point? Because I would have opened my mouth and screamed. <laughs> she screamed in a whisper. Oh, I see. Oh, well done, Faye. Okay. Sorry. Carry on. I just wanted to know how come you didn't scream. All right. Yeah. Well, I, I think it was just pure shock. Okay. And uh, the reality 
hadn't really set in. So I, I dropped down again to him, and I really nudged him hard this time. I said, Lovey, it really is. You have to get up and have a look. You have to look. So he sort of like, okay. And he got up and he had a look, and he had the same experience that I did. And there was that iconic. So now we were both, <laughs> I have to say, I don't think we wrote it in the book, but we were both naked. Yeah, no, well, I, I, I must say, I, I, I really appreciated the part when you said we quietly put on some clothes, thinking yeah. that if we were oh, going to go down, it probably would be better to be found mauled with some dignity intact. Yeah. I re- that, that part, I, I screeched. I'm sorry, it was very funny. <laughs> so we didn't want our children to find us mauled and naked. So we, we, that's why we even laugh now, because we think, what on earth would well, yes. be the difference? You know? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so... We looked at each other in, in this sort of like absolute shock and this amazing moonlight just beaming down and, and just because everything was light. And we, we, we kind of had to now come and, and find a solution to this problem because this guy was right there and he was moving around and he was pacing and he was grunting and he was... He could have been. Agitated, yeah, he yeah. was agitated. He could have been in our team. But I have to just interrupt you there, Faye. You you were very well armed, I take it, with a frying pan and a can of mosquito oh, yeah. spray. Yes, we, uh, yeah, we, we, we had really excellent weapons yeah. in the bush. We had a can of peaceful sleep and a frying pan. <laughs> I said to Colin, all we've got, it's all we've got. And we both grabbed the frying pan, mind you, and, and, uh, and the, the, the peaceful sleep. And the, it was actually then that we looked at each other and realized but we're naked, let's quickly get dressed. So there we lay down on our bed. Very quietly putting clothes on. Very quietly, yes. And we quickly slipped some clothes on. And then we, we had to just sit it out for the rest of the night and, and watch this guy just pacing up and down outside. And he never moved away at any point. He just stayed around the tent. No, we were in the tent. No, I mean, he, he just stayed around the tent. He didn't move away from oh, the no, tent. He did. Oh, yes. So he was up and no, down. No, he was just up and down in front of us. Mm. I think he had, he had seen us, and I'm not sure whether um, he thought maybe we could help him out or he <laughs> thought he could have us for an evening meal. <laughs> <laughs> um, so obviously, he obviously jumped in over the fence and couldn't get out. Okay. And, and because of that, he knew he was, he knew he was trapped and um, was very agitated about it as well. So now you sat there for how long? I mean, a good few hours. Yeah, it yeah, was from o'clock. about one until five. Until your neighbour next yeah, door woke up. Yes. Oh, yes. That then was funny. That oh, was funny. And oh, mind you, while we're waiting now, we had thought of getting into the car, but we knew that there was no way we could do that because from the tent to the car, there was this distance, and I think we would have definitely got, gotten eaten. So we just put that aside. We weren't even going to venture that far. So we just stayed in the, in, in the tent and hoped for the best. My, my fear was that he would actually crawl through the tent, because really the tent is, there, there's nothing there. It's just so flimsy. But anyway, our next concern was for the neighbors, because we were worried that they were going to get up, someone would go to the toilet, because you, you share revolutions. It's, it's uh, communal revolutions in, in the caravan park. And um, and the ablutions were about 40 um, metres away. Yeah. And the line was about five metres away. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, so uh, we knew that our neighbour next door, um, on you know, clockwork, he got up at a certain time. They would get up early, early at the gate. And he was my biggest concern. But they were in a caravan, so that wasn't too much of a worry. But the fact that he was going to get up and go to the bathroom at that time, I knew it was going to happen. So I was sitting next to that window waiting as, as the hours... <laughs> By and, and, and we, we got closer towards 5 o'clock, I thought, I have to be ready to warn this man. So as, he, as we heard them stirring, and um, I thought, okay, this is it, the lights on, they're talking, I can hear them making coffee. I yelled out loud in my best of the cons, um, does a Leo any gump? Now who is going to even listen to that? But I had to do it. I was desperate for these people. Anyway, so he, he, I don't know whether he actually heard me or he just, mm, did, did, did he hear me? Yes. Okay, so he opened his caravan door, and as he opened his door, the line had actually moved <laughs> just a few steps right outside his uh, oh caravan goodness. door. Well, I think we described it in the book. He yeah. was really one of these very tall people, but a, a big-boned person, and, 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 uh, and he had a, a very, very strong voice. And he, he was as broad as he, as yeah, he was tall. Yeah, and he bellowed out as he saw this line. 
¡Ay, te has salido de mi cama! We watched this line. It was it, it was it was as though it got the biggest fight of its life. It ran down along the fence line and disappeared. <laughs> and I looked at Colin and I saw it go and I said, Nabby, Nabby, you've got to get in the car now. It's gone. It's gone. <laughs> and I mean, they didn't carry on from there because he now had to get us out and into safety and well, unlock the key. Colin finally the got the you finally got the key into the keyhole. It took a bit of, of time there with that shaking yeah, hand yeah, of yours there, Colin. I mean, we were shaking. And, yeah, I'm uh, sure. Well, the thing is, Faye had seen the line go. I hadn't. Um, she'd she'd been watching it, you know, this whole thing of the guy next door shouting. And so, anyway, she said it's gone. And I said, where's it gone? Has it gone round the back of the tent or, you know? She said, no, it went down the line. Anyway, so it unzipped the tent, grabbed my keys. And now the car's probably about 10 meters away. And so I rushed to the car, but now I'm trying to get the key in the keel. And my hands were shaking so much. <laughs> and I'm saying, love you, hurry up. Love you, hurry Because <laughs> I was closer to the line than he was. <laughs> so if it came back, it was going to go for me first. <laughs> Karen, what a sense of relief to feel that lock open and the door open. And lastly, for Faye to get in as well. And Bush slammed the door shut and oh there God. we were. <sighs> yeah. Safe. But Safe then, little... but now you you saved yourselves, but you're still at this point concerned for everybody else. Yes. Yeah, we we knew that this line had gone down that way now to be because back in that, in those days in 1998 there were two uh, there were two camps. We were camping in the caravan side because we wanted an electric plug thing, but on the other side there was the tent side, and we, we knew that there were people in those tents there too. And the line had gone towards uh, what was the old entrance gate um, on the other side of the camp. So, and of course, there were chalets that side too, and everyone's getting up at this time in the morning. So we thought, no, we can't just sit here, although we were absolutely, I can't describe the relief of feeling safe in the car um, as opposed to being in the tent. It was just like day and night, <laughs> the feeling. Anyway, so off we zoomed in the car, and that's when we um, we. Uh, uh, we Kind of got, we met up with the guard on, on, on the little road. Oh, we actually went to go and alert the, the rangers as yeah. well. But we bumped into him and we said to him, um, uh, he, he looked at us as if to see, he was wondering where we were off to. So we, we said, um, there's a line in the camp. And he said, where? And as we, say, as we said that, we saw the line actually walk, run past him. <laughs> and we said, there behind him. <laughs> Around. Well, he vanished. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm not surprised. <clears throat> yeah, he looks like he Chester, wing, uh, Chester, Chester Williams on the wing. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> you should have got his name. We need him in the rugby team. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so we kept, carried on driving down because we, we thought we, we've just got to go and warn the people. And I'll let Colin carry on from there. Yeah, there was a group of rangers, yeah, student rangers, who were walking up not too far from where we met this guy. And um, we also told them the story. And um, they also, in, in huge disbelief, said, no, you know, it's impossible. And there the line ran past them as well. <laughs> it, was very, it was very helpful, the line, I and, must say. It was very helpful. And they, they scattered in all directions. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the guys ran to the nearest chalet, banged on the door. And <laughs> Others ran to the ablution block and hid there. And we heard later on that the line had actually jumped up on the window because I think by this time it had got very agitated and I think they were fearing for their lives. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it was actually quite scary. And then there were these silly people walking around with their videos. Oh, no. Taking videos. And we're saying, saying, get inside, get inside. And they, oh, there's a line. We're saying, why must we get inside? We said, there's a line, quickly, quickly, you know. And they were just like... Oh, then they go and get their parents. <laughs> <laughs> and carry on brushing their teeth. <laughs> oh, my word. There's lines lying there. I don't know, you know, for people who know the area. Um, chalet number 102. Mm. It was just next to that, but facing the, the campsite. And it was lying down, but with its tail swishing. It, it was really um It was upset. You could see he, um, he really wasn't happy. I mean, he felt, he obviously felt trapped. And, but the, 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 the rangers, um, the, the, the guy that disappeared, who vanished, um, when he saw the line, which I would have too, um, he, he eventually got the, the ranger and he came in with his bucky and then they tried to actually um, guide it out. 
but the, the wall of the, the old gate was curved. And so he'd get he'd go around the curve. I don't know if you know what I'm trying to explain. Yes, yeah. And then he'd stop at the wall and go back again. And he just wouldn't go around it. And so this went on for quite a while until eventually he started attacking the tires of the, 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 the ranger's bucky. And there was the ranger told us after there was a point where he almost felt he needed to shoot it because he was concerned about it attacking one of the, the tourists. So I'm so happy that that never happened. It, it would have just been devastating. But we, I said to Colin, there's no ways. I'm not going anywhere. We're parking at the gate, and I have to see that line. Go yes, <laughs> watch it leave. <laughs> <laughs> when, that, when I've seen it with my own eyes, then I can rest for the rest of our holiday, although it was quite tense for the following night. But you, you so, the two of you are, seem to me, from what I've been reading in this book, are Kruger fanatics. I mean, you've been there loads of times. I mean, for your 25th yes. wedding anniversary, you went for 25 days. Yes, and I'm, yes, this, yes. this must have been the most exciting trip you ever took to Kruger. I think, I think from an adrenaline-pumping point of view, yes, <laughs> it, it was. It was absolutely... I mean, it's a, something we tell around the fire often. We always say it will be a story that we'll tell to our grandchildren one day and... And we were just so chuffed that Jeff um, uh, wanted to write our story. So we just want to say thanks to Jeff as well, mm-hmm. just for including us in his 101 tale. So well, thank you, Jeff. Jeff Gordon. Hooray. Yes, you put all this. I mean, it's the fa- it's the most fabulous book. I mean, honestly, some of these stories in there are hilarious. Incredible. I'm sure at the time aren't that funny when you're living it. But yes. reading, it's one of those wonderful books that you can pop in and out of. You know, it's got 101 tales in it. They're yeah, relatively yeah. short. So you can read a couple, you know, and then leave the book and go back a couple of hours later yeah. and read a few more. It's a fabulous, fabulous book. Yeah. And I really recommend really it. Idea. It's an amazing book. Real, real stories by real people. Well, you, you know, if, you, if I didn't... Real re- absolutely. You read some of them and you think, seriously? Seriously? Did this really happen? But now I'm talking to the people it really happened to. So, mm-hmm. yes, if yeah. people listening are thinking, did this... I don't believe that happened. You're the living <laughs> proof of the fact that it did actually happen. Yes, so. <laughs> Colin, just incidentally, um, we didn't mention it there, that the four rangers or young rangers, student rangers that were walking up, that we met on the way down to warn the people, they were coming back from having taken an elephant out of the bottom camp. Um, an elephant had crossed over into, into the camping area. And um, one lady from Greytown, she popped her head out of her little bubble tent and um, saw this elephant's trunk right at her tent. <laughs> <laughs> so okay. Lois Arby had quite an exciting night. Yeah, um, we had an night. elephant and a lion. And a lion. And okay, I'm not, I'm not yeah. sure which I would have chosen. I think possibly the elephant. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I, think, I, think, I, think I think the elephant. The elephant I think yeah, so. Yeah. It would have made yeah. me feel just a little better. Yeah, the I elephant think. was looking for grass, not, not you. Yeah. Not you. Okay, right. No, the, the, to have that close eye contact, those yellow piercing eyes of a male lion. You'll never forget that. Never, never, ever. It's it's just amazing experience. I'm glad we had it because now I can look back and feel safe. But at the time, it was absolutely petrifying. Well, at at least you would have gone out decently tired if you had been mauled. So, you know, with a frying pan and a tin of of mosquito spray, but, you know, you were well armed. So, well done on that. But thank you you both very much for recalling that amazing experience for us. And uh, I wish you much, much luck and much. Happiness next time you go to Kruger. You don't have more of these extraordinary sort of situations happening to you. But thank you so much for your time this evening. And thank That's you, Corin, for, for this time. Only a pleasure. Thank you. I was thank chatting there with Colin and Faye Lagerwald, and their story, There's a Lion Outside Our Tent, is just one of the many stories in Jeff Gordon's 101 Kruger Tales. Now, another intrepid Kruger visitor, or she's actually working there at the time, Anri Boerta joins me now, and she took a short stroll, would you believe, through lion country. Anri, good evening. Welcome to the show. Hi. Good evening, Karen. How are you? Oh, well, I'm very well. I'm glad you survived because, <laughs> yeah, you were actually working at Kruger at the time. I was um, placed for six months for a tourism student um, internship at Skokuza, and it was actually 15 years almost to the day a week ago, and everybody was talking about the lion sightings, and I was working, and I thought, no, let me just jump into my car, grab my cell phone, a bottle of water, and I must see them. It's Kruger. You have to see lions. And um, drove about, I don't know, 20 minutes, 30 minutes um, where, they, you know, where the sighting was and drove in, put off my car, you know, grabbed the binoculars to see what I can see. 
And after half an hour, they probably moved on. So I thought it was four o'clock, let me go back to camp. And as I turned the key, there is just no sound. Uh, where the engine starting should be, there is just a click. Okay. And I thought, no, okay, let me, you know, maybe I did something wrong. Or, and then again, yeah, yeah and um, panic ensued, uh, crazy laughter, screaming tears. <laughs> I tried to uh, push my car. And um, after sitting there for which felt like hours and hours, I decided I can either sleep here tonight and either be uh, stormed by an elephant or the tires be eaten by a hyena or, you know, your mind just runs away with you. But now you, you had a cell phone and that, well, you couldn't get I a signal. I had a cell phone back in the day um, and I thought, well, um, there was no signal, but surely the emergency number must work even though there's no signal. Um, and, yeah, after <laughs> I quickly figured out that the cell phone doesn't work 20 kilometers from this Kakuza camp. So um, I decided to walk, which today I can only say was my youth. Um, Today I would not do the same. Um, Luckily there was Impala, and I thought, well, um, there's 20, 30 Impala, so the lion should pick them off first. But um, (laughs) I got to the And I walked to the toll road, um, and if you know Kruger Park, uh, the signage is in this little cement block because the elephants push over the poles. Um, and I just climbed on it and sat there and thought, well, somebody must pass me. It was on the toll road between Skakuza and Sukwane. And, yeah, I sat there, which also felt like an eternity. And um, this white Camry came driving past and the people stopped and they reversed. And the lady, you know, rolled down her window and she said, do you need help? Well, um, actually, yes. <laughs> and I was like, mm, do, can I get a lift to Sakusa, please? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, this, you know, we just chatted as if nothing's wrong, as if nothing's happening. I uh, got to Sakusa, the road assistance people um, gave me a lift back. And um, I explained to them, I don't know what's happening, and we, we drove back, and he started my car. So, <laughs> Well, that's what happens. You take the car to the garage, and you say, well, it's you making this really funny noise. Let me show you, and you turn the car on, and it doesn't do it. And it started, <laughs> it's exactly. and he switched it off and switched it on again, and I was very grateful <laughs> and just laughed it off. And on, yeah, got into, it was five o'clock, the gates, I think, closed at six, so we only had, you know, half an hour to get back to camp. And then we saw leopards and we saw this famous lion pride lying in the road a mere five kilometers from where I was sitting. So, it was your <laughs> lucky day. Area, it was your um, lucky day. Yeah, I just missed them. It was your, well, I'm a good thing you missed them that day, Henri. Mm, good thing. But it was, it was an adventure and it was also today, yeah, it's one of those life-changing stories that uh, I'm glad it happened to me. I'm really, because I'm now in the book. Yeah, well, yes. credit must be given to Jeff for sorting all the stories and putting this adventure together. And it just shows that anything is possible. If you go to Kruger, anything can happen. But, there's a, but a few little little words of warning. You didn't. One thing you didn't do was tell anybody where you were going. That was no, the first that thing. was still, um, you know, you're 20, you're just going on a drive, you're in Kruger. Um, but I didn't tell my parents, I didn't tell my housemates. I was just, you know, I wanted to see this lion. So that's the thing of Kruger. You hear all these sightings and you just want to share it or you want to experience it. And yeah. So the, the, the first word of warning is tell someone where you're going. Tell somebody where you're going. The second Make word of warning, sure don't walk. Cell phone signal. Yeah, don't don't do an unread. It's now called an unread. Don't no, don't do an unread and walk. Or take snacks. Trust me. If you don't need to do stay that. the night. Just make sure you have snacks. Stay stay in the car. <laughs> and hopefully you've told someone where you are, so they will come and look for you. Yes. Not like Henri who decided to walk. No. Don't was, do that. Yeah, but it was the longest yeah. kilometre <laughs> of I'm my sure life. It was. it was, yeah. But the Impala, they didn't mind. They, you know. Well, you know, you, if, if they started running away, you would have known the lions were coming. I so. thought, yeah, I thought that would be a sure signal. And as they always say, you only have to run faster than the person behind <laughs> you. That's, you know, so if the Impala was a bit slow, you would have been okay. 
you know. Yeah. So. <laughs> I, I would say Kruger National Park is definitely um, part of my childhood travel memory. It's been in our family forever. So um, that was a great opportunity to be placed there for student placement. It was a dream come true. And that was just one of the adventures. We had many more, um, but none of them uh, book-worthy, I would say. <laughs> well, strangely enough, my next guest is going to be talking about childhood and memories and travel mm. and all that sort of thing. So it's a very good thing that you've mentioned now that it's something that's in your memory from childhood. But, Anri, I'm glad you're still with us. And um, please don't go do that again. And <laughs> thank you very much for joining us on the show this evening. It's a pleasure. And, you yeah, credit to Jeff for putting uh, together the book and for all the readers um, yeah, it's Enjoy. really an enjoyable Enjoy. book. It's something for everybody. Thank you, and thank you so much for your time this evening. Thank you. Thanks, Anri. Bye-bye. Bye. And you'll find Anri Burta's rather hair-raising story in Jeff Gordon's 101 Kruger Tales. It's published by Leadwood, and it's distributed by Penguin Random House here in South Africa, and it's available in all good bookstores, and I can honestly highly recommend this. Some of it is quite hair-raising, but some of it is really funny. I don't think at the time it was, but reading about it now, you'll have a really good laugh. It's time to travel with Power and Key. We know exactly where your next stop should be. Well, in November last year, Club Med announced an offer for South African families heading to Mauritius called The Kids Under 12 Stay Free. So joining me this evening is Lesejo Matabani, Marketing Manager for Club Med South Africa, who'll be telling us a bit more about this. And joining us as well is Alexandra Hadfield, and she's a neurolinguistic specialist who'll be telling us how we form, interpret and recall memory and how these influence our lives. Lesejo and Alexandra, good evening. Welcome to the show. Good evening. I think, Lesejo, let's start with you because we're going to be talking about the children going on holiday. Parents are going to be very willing to take them now, especially to Mauritius, because if they're under 12, they stay for free. um, Yeah, that's correct. So we've just launched a new offering um, for South African clients that obviously want to travel with their families and go through to Mauritius. We've got two resorts in Mauritius. And the offering basically saying that if you're traveling with your kids that are under the age of 12 years old, um, they will stay for free. So obviously there's substantial savings for our families. Um, do you have, sorry, Lesejo, before we carry on, do you have a speakerphone on or a radio? Because we're getting a very loud echo from you. Um, it is. Let me just take off my earphones. Hold on for me one second. Oh, Rip thank you. That. Yes, we'll probably hear you better then because we were hearing a very loud echo. Right, uh, so, much better right now. Oh, much better. We can hear you now. Okay, okay, so the kids under 12 stay free. Now, just tell me what that all involves. What, what, what are they going to ha- what's going to happen when they get there? Is there kids' clubs? What, what goes on when, once they get there? Oh, with um, Club Med, we've got um, kids' clubs for kids that are from ranging from the age of four months all the way to 17 years old, basically. Um, so if your kids are under the age of 12, obviously they stay there for free. But we've got loads and loads of activities for the kids, from the guys that want to learn how to sail or play tennis for the first time, baking for the little ones. So there's, like, activities galore for the kids. Alexandra, my previous guest, we were talking about her experience in Kruger Park, and she said that it's sort of part of her childhood memories because she's been going there for so long. And that's what we want to talk about is how that this whole thing about memory impacts our future life, especially when it comes to traveling. And, and now more and more parents are traveling with younger children. Um, yes. Uh, well, ultimately, some studies have been done, and it shows that a lot of us that go on family holidays actually – they become happy anchors in our lives. That we actually, as we grow up, we actually tend to uh, refer or reflect back on those memories, and um, they also help us in terms of some of our difficult times in our lives because they constantly help us um, feel better about ourselves and also build on really good, strong values. Because I think in the past, I've noticed a sort of a change in the way people travel in the last number of years, in that back in the day, you didn't really travel with younger children, you normally left them with granny, or there weren't really kid-friendly destinations where you could take younger children, they'll sort of look down their nose at you if you came with anyone under the age of about 15 or something. But now more and more places are opening up and inviting families to come with whatever age the children are, and I think that's wonderful. Absolutely. I think... um we worked with um, Club Med and um, the, the event that we had with a number of journalists, we took them through a process where they were able to um, go back and think about their childhood memories and their, their fondest family um, holidays. And what was interesting out of that process is um, it's, we asked um, the journalists to come with a photograph from their, you know, from their best memories or their, their best holidays. And a lot of the, the travel origin stories that were shared was 
basically being around the family table with um, their gran or their aunts and a lot of their cousins um, sharing food or playing games, etc. So I think I think that times have changed, yet um, we still we're still looking at um, sharing memories with each other as families. But now it's more direct in terms of. Um, you know, obviously, parents and children, and not necessarily go sending children to our gran or our aunts to um, have holiday fun. And, and I mean, the, the thing is that I mean, as we mentioned now, that the children there's so much for them to do, and once they experience that as a child, I'm sure as an adult, that influences how they then travel themselves or travel with their families as they grow up. Absolutely, and I think that um, from some of the travel origin stories that were shared at the um, Club Med event. I know a number of comments that were made is um, some of those very distinct memories that um, some of the journalists had um, was about key things that happened on specific holidays and how that has influenced some of their travel choices now as adults and also where they would actually choose specific destinations. Mm. So now that travel's actually opened up as far as us traveling more long-haul flights, the opportunities of actually experiencing more things and experiencing, um, you know, those wonderful memories with um, the people that we love um, has actually just also allowed, not only as adults, they could then also re-anchor some of those fun times and those activities now also with their children. Lesejo, the nice thing about Mauritius is that it's not really, in, in if you think about it, a long-haul flight. It's, what, four hours from Joburg? It's about four hours from Johannesburg, and that is one of the very favorite destinations for families. Because, I mean, if you're traveling with little ones, you, four hours is not that long, yeah. No, it isn't. And now, tell me a little bit about the, the Club Med experience. Because it is whole, well, it is, is an experience. Oh, it, it, Club Med is all about creating experiences. It's all about creating those memories, especially where, because as a brand, um, it's all about taking care of everything for you. So we organize everything for you if you're traveling with, with, with little ones. So literally from transport to transfers to when you get in resort, everything being taken care of. You never actually have to carry any cash with you because everything is included from all your meals, your drinks, the activities for the kids as well, which is why for Mauritius, it's, it's, it's like a, the favorite, especially when it comes to families. But you've got two um, Club Med resorts at Mauritius. One, I we, think, is not really a, a sort of children-friendly type thing, or is it? Um, both of very much for children, but the most popular one for the children would be um, one which is in the in, in the north, um, in Grand Bar, called um, La Pointe de Canonet. So that's the one that a lot of our families get to choose, and then a lot of the other couples get to choose the other resort, which is Albion. And that's really, that. those are more sort of secluded villas sort of type things. It's very secluded. It's very zen. It's got the, the family side of it as well. Um, so if you're traveling with your kids, there is a, a kid's area that's quite friendly for the family. And then if you want to zen out, it's just adults, it's just a couple, you, you can do that as well at a place where it's obviously just for adults only. Now, let's just talk about the actual offering, this Kids Under 12 Stay Free. There is There are a few restrictions, obviously. It doesn't apply over Christmas and New Year, obviously. Uh, no, not, not Christmas and New Year, but we still have um, a saving for uh, around that period as well, but not necessarily that it's free for kids under 12, but there is a promo saving for them. And this is basically this under 12 stay free thing is, apply, is apl- applied to bookings made for travel from May this year. Yeah, for, so you can book right now, but it would be for travel from May 26th and onwards at our Mauritius Resort. And I like the part that if you book six months ahead, you also get that under 12 stay free thing, but you can also get a saving of up to 15% per adult. Oh, yes, that's for sure. So we try and make sure that our clients get to book as early as possible because the earlier you book, the more savings that you get. So if you book anything that is um, six months in advance, you get a 15% discount, and that is per person. Um, and then if you're booking anything less than six months, you still get a saving, but this time it's up to 10% off. And I have to say, I love the term you used for your child minders. You call them gentle organizers. Yes. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a French term. And when you go into our resort, you'll hear everybody talking about our GOs, so those are gentle organizers. We're basically saying that our guys, our job is to make sure that you are happy and we organize everything for you. And I mean, it's, I mean, you think a kids' club, you've got things like art and cooking and theater, and you've got all sorts of things to keep the kids absolutely blissfully happy who won't want to go home in the end. Uh, the kids never want to go home and neither do the parents because we take care of the kids as well. <laughs> so it's a win-win for both. 
Alexandra, this kind of holiday, though, does it is it possible that parents sometimes will put the, not not necessarily the club med ones, but when where people go to a place where there is a kids club or kids sort of entertainment, that parents kind of put the kids there and just don't really interact with them all that much? Is this something to be careful of? It is definitely something to be careful of. I think there is always that temptation to make sure that your children are are occupied, and obviously there's it's in a safe environment, so um, you know you're able to have that me or that downtime. But I think also the trend is is that there's also a balance between allowing the children to have a safe space to have fun and make new friends, but then again also reconnect at the end of the day now and then share the share you know stories. We're talking about international travel here, but I would imagine the same kind of interaction and the same memories would be just as good if it was a local holiday somewhere in South Africa because there's so much to do here. You could have a wonderful time with the family. Absolutely, and I think that's what was also um, really a good indication is that I think um, there are so many people that want to explore this beautiful country that we have, and even through some of the beautiful um, origin stories that we had, um, a lot of them were about traveling traveling locally and some of the experiences that we have here just on our doorstep. So um, I think a lot of people still want to explore um, our beautiful country and actually um, travel to different places. But, um, you know, put in a little bit of a, an international holiday here and there, but um, more than likely also just keep it, keep it um, local or national. I would say, especially now with a rand, some people uh, might not be able to travel overseas. So there yeah. is so much to do. And the other thing that I often promote on the show is, do you know where you live? There's so much to do in the area or the province or the town or wherever you are that you could actually have a fabulous holiday just staying at home. So it won't cost you anything in accommodation, but just going out every day to explore something new that possibly you didn't know was even there. Mm. Absolutely. And I think um, while I was doing research on um, preparing for um, the work that we did with Club Med, um, there was a very interesting article on, on road tripping through South Africa and, um, you know, taking your mind back to the good old days where we prepared our mixtapes and, you know, had putt course. And, yes, and those I remember those days. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So I think the, those kinds of things really triggered so many beautiful um, conversations and um, I think that also honed in on how special it is to spend you know, some some valuable and quality time with each other, even in a confined space, but you can still make it fun. Absolutely. So, Lesejo, it's something that, pay, I mean, is it still affordable, though, on our sad rand at the moment to uh, go on holiday? As you said, everything's included. So once you get the price, that's it. You don't have to think, well, gosh, how much else, how much more do I have to take with me? Because it's all included. It's included so you never have to carry any cash with you and the nice thing as well that we've got is that once you've paid your deposit with with club med regardless of what happens with the exchange rate your price is basically secure that's great news yeah that's really good news. Cause, gosh, you sort of <laughs> so watch, we watch really it. try and give you an all-inclusive service from our side so that you never actually have to worry about anything. Because yeah, it's bad enough booking a holiday and then sitting there watching that rand, you know, and thinking, oh, my goodness, you know, where's my holiday going? I'm going to have to cancel it now. You know, whereas if you if this is stable, that's great. And as I oh. said, it's wonderful. So you can take the kids up for nothing, just pay the airfare, basically. You pay the airfare there you go, you're on a holiday. <laughs> Wonderful. And we can build up some fabulous memories, Alexandra. A very important part of childhood, I think, are those memories that we look back on. Regardless. Wait, what did you say, Carl? I said it's very important to have a childhood with memories that you can look back on. Absolutely. And um, some of the research actually talks to... Sorry, I just swallowed funny. Hold oh, sorry. Okay. <clears throat> and the research actually talks to the fact that we, we anchor those memories. And when times actually get tough, um, we actually go back to those types of memories to mm. find some coping mechanisms. So having, having those happy memories at such a young age and being able to develop that as you grow um, is so important not only from um, having something to tap into, but it also apparently is a very good stress reliever when times get tough, etc., and influence a lot of the choices that we make. Well, it sounds like if you if you haven't thought about going away somewhere, as I've said, you don't have to go overseas, but if you're looking for a really affordable holiday where you can take the kids, Club Med sounds like the ideal thing to do. But if you can't afford to travel overseas, just take your children around locally somewhere, build up some memories. It's very important for them in the future. But Lesejo and Alexandra, thank you both very much indeed for joining us on the show this evening.
Thank you so Thanks much. Thank you so much. Thank you. Good night to you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. 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 Lesejo Matabani is the marketing manager for Club Med South Africa and Alexandra Hadfield is a neurolinguistic specialist. And for more information on the Club Med offering, you can take a look at the website. It's www.clubmed.co.za. It's time to travel with Karen Key. We know exactly where your next stop should be. Well, Jenny Prinsler is back on the line. She's the CEO of the Franchuk Wine Valley. And as I always say, every time Jenny joins me on the show, you can be bet that there's going to be something fabulous happening in Franchuk. Jenny, good evening. Welcome back to the show. Hello, Karen. Thank you very much. So this is one of my favorite events, the Franchuk Summer Wines. Yes, it's absolutely wonderful because it's in the, the um, heart of summer. And the, the great thing is that everyone must dress in white to stay completely cool on that day. And it's happening at one of my favorite destinations as well. Yes, Leopard's Leap, which has a wonderful green lawn. And we will have our exhibitors out there under umbrellas and lots of shade for everyone to enjoy the beautiful wines. It's summer wines, and that means white wines, MCC bubbly, rosé, and maybe a couple of Light Pinot Noirs. Oh, that sounds like a nice selection. But also the food out at Leopard's Leap. You've got that fabulous rotisserie kitchen there. We do. And we have Chef Peter de Yaga, And he's made some special homemade sausage for his gourmet Borivos roll. Mm. Um, but we've also got roasted vegetable salad. And from the, some of the, that from their garden. And then the rotisserie is going to be roasted pork belly ciabatta, <sighs> which is one of my favorites. Mm. And then for the, the cheese lovers, it's a baguette with cheese and preserve from the garden. And as you know, their garden is full of vegetables, herbs, and some fruit. So they've, they've done this in a homemade variety of preserve. So that's happening this coming Saturday, the 6th of February. This Saturday, yes, from 12 o'clock till 5 o'clock. And this is a family destination. I mean, the kids can have a ball. I mean, they've got a climbing thing, like a jungle gym thingy over there they as well do. for the kids. They yes. do. They have a children's area with the play um, equipment. And then there's a little trickling stream as well for, for kids to play in, which will be lovely and cool. And then also at the same venue, they've got the inside area, which if people don't want to be outside, they can be inside. Yes, and you're also going to be having music. We're going to be having music, a selection of lovely uh, festival music. And this festival, it's not a, it's not a very big Vranshuk festival. It's quite small and intimate which gives people an opportunity to really come and taste the wines and meet the winemaker. Oh, I like that because I love the part when, it's, when the winemakers are accessible to us. You yes. know, you don't normally get a chance to meet them. It's rather nice that they make themselves available. It's so nice. And you can actually talk about the wine because, you know, it's, it's great to hear how did they make the wine, what was the wine like, that vintage. And it's just something, you know, that you can know about the wine while you're enjoying it. And you can also buy the wines from that, uh, those stands. Oh, so they're available to buy as well on the yes. day? Yes. Oh, that's rather nice. So how many wineries are taking part, Jenny? So there are 19 wineries. And um, a new one on this festival is La Lude, which is our new MCC producer. And they will be featuring their MCC for the first time at this festival. And you said it's from 12 until 5. And yes. what are we looking at price-wise and where can people get tickets? So tickets are available on web tickets. It's 150 rand per ticket. And for that, uh, people get a, a wine tasting glass as well. And they can taste all the wines. And, you know, it should be an absolutely wonderful day. We are expecting, a, a, you know, good weather. So we'd love for people to come and join us. Now, 12 till 5, you can taste all the wines. People might want to stay over. What's the accommodation situation like for this weekend? Is it a bit late now? No, I think people can still phone. We are very busy in France if we're having a bumper season. But it would be great for people to phone our information office. And that's on 021-876-2861. And we have uh, ladies and gents that will be able to help them with some accommodation. Because I think it might be nice if you wanted to go around tasting all these wines from 19 different wineries. You might not want to be driving anyway. So. Yes, exactly. And uh, it would be wonderful to stay over in France for the weekend. Yeah, absolutely, because there's so much more to do. There is, indeed. Lots and lots to do. So that's the Franchuk Summer Wines coming up this Saturday, the 6th of February at Leopard's Leap Family Vineyards. If you haven't been there, 
you're missing out. Honestly, it's one of the best. Well, I can't say that really because almost everything in Franschik, I'll tell you, it's the best. So it's one of the best destinations in Franschik to go to. 12 to 5 this coming Saturday. Tickets 150 Rand. You can book on webtickets.co.za. Are you limiting numbers, Jenny? Well, we, we really do have to limit. Um, we won't be having more than about 700 people. Okay, so if you want to go, you better get your tickets now. How's the booking going? It's going quite well at the moment. Okay, yeah. so if yeah. you want to go, do that right now. Jenny, thank you so much for joining us once again. You always tell us about these fabulous things out there in Franschuk, and uh, have a fabulous day on Saturday. Oh, thank you so much, Corin. Thanks for having me, and one day we'll expect you to be there with us. You might even see me on Saturday. Fantastic. Great. I'll just check out what the weather temperature is going to be looking yes. like, and I might see you then. Wonderful, Corin. Thank you. Thank Jen- you. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. Jenny Prinsler is CEO of the Franschuk Wine Valley, and if you'd like to find out more information, you can actually call, if, especially if you're looking for accommodation, you can call the Franschuk Wine Valley office on 021-876-2861, and tickets are available from webtickets.co.za at 150 rand per person. It's time to travel with Karen Key. We know exactly where your next stop should be. Well, I've left some time at the end of the show because I thought I wanted to read you another one of the stories out of this amazing book called 101 Kruger Tales. It's one that really made me laugh. And so it's called A Fine Place to Bath. It starts off. It's written by Darren Myers, by the way. He was the guest who was on the trip in Kruger that experienced this situation. He says, A sighting of the species Homo stupidus is not uncommon in Kruger. Anyone who has driven around the park long enough will have seen all sorts of terrible behavior from people doing their level best to exit the gene pool. But there are varying degrees of stupidity and recklessness, But and the spectacle we stumbled upon while on a night drive one warm February evening must surely rank up there as the stupidest thing ever undertaken by tourists in the park. The night drive had taken us to the predator-rich area around Muzanzeni picnic spot, and as we were turning around to make our way back to camp, the guide decided to swing past Shimangwaneni Dam to see if any hippos had come out of the water. Well, as we approached the dam, the lights of our game drive vehicle picked up a reflection in the distance that looked like red eyes. As we drove closer, though, we realized we were looking at the front reflectors of a Mitsubishi Pajero parked up at the edge of the dam. To say that we were all surprised would be an understatement, but nobody was more surprised than the guide. He called out loudly, asking if anyone was there. A voice answered from the rear of the Pajero, and a scrawny man, wearing nothing but a towel, appeared from the darkness and approached us. Less than impressed, the guide asked him what he was doing there. In a strong German accent, the man explained matter-of-factly that when he realized he wasn't going to make the gate in time, he figured he would stop and camp next to the dam for the night instead. Well, clearly irked by the interrogation, he then explained why he was naked. We had rudely interrupted his shower, and would we mind if he continued and left him in peace? The guide was dumbstruck, and for a moment it sounded as if he had lost the power of speech. But he gathered himself and explained, surprisingly diplomatically, that what this chap was doing was both illegal and dangerous, and that he would have to accompany us back to open rest camp. I shall do so when I have finished showering, was the man's response. There was a sharp intake of breath from one or two of the guests in the back. But what was the guide to do? He couldn't drag the man away naked or force him to drive in just a towel. So reluctantly, the guide agreed and the semi-naked man toddled off behind his vehicle, where I suppose he'd set up a portable shower from the low branches of a tree. Well, a few minutes later, fully dressed and looking more presentable, he sidled up to the vehicle and asked where he was to sit. No, 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 said the guide, clearly fighting the urge to bang his head against the steering wheel. You must follow behind us in your vehicle and we will escort you back to Orpen. The man looked disturbed by the suggestion and shook his head. But my wife needs the car, he protested. Your wife, spluttered the guide, now losing his powers of diplomacy. Where is your wife? She's taking a bath. There was a brief pause. I think every one of us on that game drive vehicle knew where this was going. Um, Where is your wife taking a bath, asked the guide suspiciously. In the big dam, replied the German. Well, if you've ever been to Shimangwaneni Dam, especially in the summer months when it's deep and full of water as it was that night, you will know that it boasts a very healthy population of both hippo and crocodile. At the man's reply, the guide hurriedly switched on every light in the vehicle and, shouting at us to keep the spotlights on him, jumped out of the truck and ran to the edge of the dam. There, in the depths, several metres from the shore, we could just make out the silhouette of what appeared to be a very attractive blonde woman splashing away like she was in her bathroom at home in Germany. 
At the top of his voice, the guide shouted for her to come out immediately. She stopped her splashing and looked at him as if he was mad. Surmising that she probably didn't understand English, he began gesticulating wildly with his arms instead. She glared at him some more before slowly wading towards the shore. In the light of the headlights, she emerged from the water like Ursula Andress in Dr. No, with the sole exception of that famous white bikini, for there was no bikini here. The woman was stark naked. Dripping wet and without the slightest hint of modesty, she walked up to the guide and looked him square in the eye. Then, quite unexpectedly, she erupted in a fit of rage and unleashed all hell on him for ruining her bath. We had tried to stay quiet in the truck while the guide was dealing with this, but it was just too much. When someone snorted a disguised laugh behind his hand, the result was contagious and we all erupted with laughter. The guide somehow remained diplomatic despite the tirade in front of him and the uproar behind him. He calmly let her finish her rant, then took hold of her shoulders and turned her around so that she could see the multitude of eyes in the water all glinting back at us from the lights of the truck. She went very, very quiet. Slowly, she walked to her vehicle and returned a few minutes later fully clothed. She apologized for her behavior and thanked the guide, then spun around to face her husband, who was standing meekly behind her, and delivered a cracking flat hand to the side of his head. You told me it was safe, she screamed. We didn't see much on the way back to camp, the Germans following closely behind us in their Pajero, but the utterly bizarre shenanigans at the dam and the sight of that attractive blonde woman emerging naked from the depths of the water more than constituted a successful night's sighting. Now, that's the kind of story, and some of them are even funnier than that, that is in this book. Honestly, I can highly recommend it. It's called 101 Kruger Tales, Extraordinary Tales and Stories from Ordinary Visitors to the Kruger National Park. It's been compiled and edited by Jeff Gordon. It's published by Ledwood and distributed here in South Africa by Penguin Random House. And honestly, if you're looking for a really good present, I know Christmas has just passed, but there are lots of birthdays and things coming up. It's one of those books that honestly will keep people amused for hours. There's also some fabulous photographs in the middle as well. You can have a look. And there's little bits of information about each of the people who've written the story. So you get a little bit of an insight into who they are, a little bit about their lives, what they do, where they live, that kind of thing. All very real stories, but honestly, a fabulous, fabulous read. Well, basically, that's it for Time to Travel for this week. Thanks for joining me this evening. I'm Karen Key. If you need any information about something you've heard on the show tonight, you can always email me on travel at safm.co.za. Now, next Monday, I'll be back with the Law Report. It's our monthly law clinic with Nicolene skuman Lowe, and she'll be bringing a colleague of hers, Anya, with her. So we'll have all those questions to answer, all the general questions that don't really fit into any of the other law programs that we do. The following week, of course, it is going to be an interesting show. We're going to be talking about all sorts of immigration and that kind of thing. So if you have any questions about immigration law, anything like that, we'll be doing that the following week. And I know every time we've done that kind of a program, we've been inundated with calls. So if you have any questions that you desperately needed to know the answer of, drop me an email to law at safm.co.za and you can do that in the meantime and I'll keep them for when we're going to be doing that program in about a week's time. Right, well, it's time for Stephen Kirker and some late-night music now. Stephen, a little bit early to cross. Are you there? Good evening. Yes, I am indeed. I was fascinated <laughs> and very amused uh, by... <laughs> Uh, and quite sad I missed out. It must have been quite an impressive uh, sight to see. If only yes. People had, if only people had, be, had uh, GoPros and uh, stuff in those days, that would have been a YouTube sensation deluxe. Thank you very much, Karen. We'll catch you on uh, Monday. Um, yes, I suppose that's the advantage uh, people like Karen and I had growing up as well. And perhaps you. Uh, there isn't video evidence of uh, the things we did. I suppose in my case, uh, more silly things than ever. I could probably write an encyclopedia about the silly things. But uh, no, I've never bathed in a Krug Park uh, uh, watering hole at uh, night. So just gone 10 o'clock nighttime music to follow the news.